It's time for the Brotherly Love Podcast. Keeping it real on the Philly sports scene since 2014. But, you know, still... He's Yaklis, oh. the Yaklis wonder. He is. My God. Good job, Zach Ertz, baby. Love it. Ertzy, babe. Ertzy, babe. Whether it's the fight in Bills, the Birds, the Fly Guys, the process, or a national headline, these two beauties are talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. Here's your host, Joe O'Donnell. God damn it, I love Chase Sutton. And John Mita. Terry Williams, do me a favor. For one week, can I not talk about you? SoundCloud, iTunes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is the one and only Brotherly Love Podcast. Don't accept any imitations. Joe Donald, John Mita here with you, and we are ready to rock and roll on this uh, middle of May evening with the fight and fills nearing the top of the National League standings. We'll have that for you. We'll talk a little about some of the Eagles offensive linemen that are continuing to instigate and talk smack to the rest of the National Football League. And we'll talk about the 76ers and their off-season plans, plus sports gambling, now legal, sort of. So, Johnny Mita, what's up, brother? How are you? I'm good, Joe. I'm good. There's so much to get to. Where do we begin, man? It's going to be a great show, and uh, we're going to get after it some serious. But uh, there's a lot going on, which is awesome. As always. Yeah, I, I, I think I want to start with the Phillies, if that's all right with you, because at 24-16, and 16, they're a game out of first, won two in a row going into their, their series opener against the Cardinals, currently leading that game in the eighth inning, one nothing. The starting pitching really jumps out st- uh, statistically. You know, it hasn't just been Nola, Arietta, Velasquez tonight, you know, six-plus scoreless innings, Pavetta fanned. You know, a dozen or so batters the other night. I mean, the starting pitching has been outstanding. And all of a sudden, Gabe Kapler's Phillies trust the process for the Fightins, eight games above 500. And and if you look at it, John Mina, I know this is a long way to go, middle of May. But if the Philadelphia Phillies, just if you just do the numbers, you play out the math here, if they just go 500, I know that's not easy, but if they go 500 over the long haul, over the last 120 games, they're going to be in it the last weekend in September. I mean, history shows you you're eight to ten games over 500. When it's all said and done, you've got a chance at the postseason. They're in a great position, but I mean that's why there's 162 games. It yeah. is a long, long season. And you look at the course of baseball. How many teams start out extremely well, or they start out hot, or they're first in the division, and the next thing you know, the wheels come off, and then they lose eight to ten straight. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen with this Philadelphia Philly team at all. But it's just something to beware. It's kind of like, okay. But the, the one thing about this team, Joe, is I, I don't think this team has reached its full potential. So that that's another thing. And when I say potential, if you look at their numbers offensively, I think I, I think they could be better, okay? And it's so that's – I think if, if that happens, if they get better – I think the biggest surprise with this baseball team is the fact that they've got – solid starting pitcher, you know, throughout the year so far, which is really nice to see. Like I mentioned in the last podcast, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to maybe make a move at the deadline uh, to acquire another starting arm just to put in that rotation and kind of make give yourself, you know, another chance to seal the deal when it comes to making the playoffs. But you, you got to like what, the way they're playing. They play hard. And as kooky as a cuckoo bird is Gabe Kapler is specifically – you know, the other day, it's, the game was yesterday, 
he brings in Ramos and then Neres. The guy gets two outs on, what, six pitches, and then he brings in Neres to get the lefty out. So, I mean, he's, he's a totally out-of-the-box thinker. Yes, did he make some terrible decisions early? But I think the one thing that I tend to give Kapler credit is he will own it. And that's what I like about Because, like, when he got booed at the home opener, he honestly came out. I think he, I forget what beat reporter he was talking to, but he was just like, listen, I, I didn't expect not to get booed because, you know, I kind of had a poor show. So, he knows what the fans expect. I think he gets it. The fact that he can, he'll be able to sit up there and own his mistakes when something doesn't go right. And I like the fact that he's kind of honest and he's like, listen, sometimes this is going to work and sometimes it's just not. But I do like that out of him. So it'll be interesting to see how, you know, how he basically fits people into the lineup, you know, where he plays certain players. If you're looking at, I kind of expected a little more power out of Reese Hoskins. He's not really you know, tearing the cover off the baseball. Um, so, but there's a lot to look forward to. And I feel like, you know, maybe in the next couple of years, when this team dedicates itself to spending some money in free agency to go along with their young nucleus that they're building right now, I think there's nothing but good things to come. Have you seen the season that the one-time Los Angeles Anaheim L-A-A-A-A Angels are having? Because I don't like when they have success because it makes me think Mike Trout might stay longer. Well, I mean, that. I guess the, uh, what is it, Japanese all-star that they acquired, yeah. Tommy? I mean, he that guy's was... crazy. He's pitching, he's well, hitting were... dingers. <laughs> well, I mean, it was crazy because like, they hit in spring training. The guy was an absolute train wreck. Like, his ERA is like at eight. And then he just came out during the regular season, you know, house on fire, Tearing the cover off the baseball, hitting the plen- plenty of dingers, and then like his ERA was under three. So yeah, now that's not a good sign. I don't know if we're going to be able to get Trout. I want I, I want Mike Trout so bad, bro. I can't even express it properly. Like I, I just, I, I don't know how I don't know how to phrase it, but I want Mike Trout in a Phillies uniform about as bad as I wanted anything for a Philadelphia sports team outside of a championship. Like I, it's a home run, man. And no pun intended. He loves Philly. He's from the area. We've seen he's a passionate Eagles fan. I mean, bring bring me Mr. Trout. Just bring him. Put him in the lineup for the next decade. Here we go. That's that's what I want. But I, I know it's probably a pipe dream at this point. And if they have success, there's no way they're going to trade him. And you got to wait till free agency. But my goodness, would I love to see Mike Trout in a Phillies uniform. Top three players, if not the best player in baseball. By the, by the way, the much maligned Doobie Herrera, Doobie Herrera, you know him? Oh, the guy that I would, the guy that last year I said I would have, I would have shipped him, I would have driven him to the airport. 43, 43 straight games on base for Herrera. He's another guy. He's so erratic, but there's just times you're like, well, not this year. He's got, he's, he's got fifty one hits. He, he, Did you see that home run catch? Or they, you know, when he took away that home yeah, run? Yeah, he was in the bushes. He, came, he was like uh, coming out of the grassy knoll to make that play. That was incredible. I mean, I agree. Doobie Herrera right now, folks, 16 walks to 24 strikeouts. You know, I mean, that's the 16 walks. Again, he's getting on base 43 straight games going back to last year. He's hitting 357. I don't know how long he can keep it up, but I'll take even 310 from Doobie Herrera. You know, and yeah, he I just, looks like an all-star. Uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. Because, well, I mean, I mean, it's just, just, well, it's just nice to know that, like, if this, 
if the Dubu Herrera can continue that type of success, your center field, well, unless you get much route, but I mean, your center field, you have a legitimate, you know, starter out there that you can rely on each and every day. And I think that's kind of what this team is still trying to figure out. Who are going to be your everyday starters in the positions, you know, and what positions will they hold? And listen, he didn't start opening day, right? And that was kind of a, whoa. And Gabe Kapler had his boo-boo moment opening day. And since then, the two of them have really, you know, between the manager and the starting center fielder, they've kind of set the tone for the team. And Gabe Kapler, the more they win, the more he gets a little bit longer leash before the boo-birds come back out. But right now, eight games above five hundred, crushing it at home. Uh, and again, as we talked about a couple podcasts back, an exciting young team. I mean, I like watching these guys because I don't, I haven't seen the script, right? Kingery, Hoskins, uh, Williams, Altair, all these guys are still, Alfaro, they're still so young, I'm not jaded by them yet. And the other thing is, too, our expectations yeah. were so low. That's a good point. Yeah. Just not, and just not high. So it's like everything that you're getting out of this group, you're like, whoa, like, this could be a really fun summer. I got one more thing for you, baseball-wise. Uh, sure. Early, earlier this week, I was at the Iowa Cubs Round Rock Express barn burner of a game at Principal Park in lovely Des Moines, Iowa. So AAA <laughs> affiliate of the Chicago Cubs, AAA affiliate of the Texas Rangers. I will give you one guess as to the former Phillies that started at first base and catcher for the Round Rock Express earlier this week in Des Moines. They were both on the roster last year. Well, I, I can't even... Exactly. I, that's was, how bad they were. Cameron Rupp and Tommy Joseph. Cameron Rupp. Gotcha. I, I was going to say Nap, but <laughs> the Nap's on the team. Rupp, yeah. Rupp oh, and, man. and Tommy, Tommy Joseph. Jesus. Hey, how does, how's that Hunter Pence trade look? Uh, uh, not good. Brutal. Not good. All right, brother, let's shift gears. Keep it up, fighting Phils. Love it, love it. All right, sports gambling. Uh, I I hate to, at times, throw the ball into your court, so to speak, when you're our resident (laughs) expert, but you may or may not have a little bit more of a handle, no pun intended, on uh, what what the Supreme Court's decision means. Sports gambling now will be determined by each individual state, and each state now has a year to pull the trigger. What do you think? Well, I mean, I think it's, I mean, if you're if you live in the state of New Jersey, you know, I can't tell you how many buckets of fried chicken Chris Christie must have down once he heard about the great decision to legalize sports gambling. But for a dying town like Atlantic City, I mean, could you imagine what this is going to do? They just the um, the Tonsil Hall just has now become the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino. There's so many casinos that have shut down over the years. And this is just going to bring people to the forefront. I heard a statistic the other day that New Jersey, they think in a year they'll be able to take $8 billion worth of bets in a year. Wow. Now, I also heard something in Las Vegas that all the sports gambling, they only profited, and I say only with only just being okay, $256 million. But it's going to be a huge economy boost. Other people think, well, you know, you have bookies, right? So they do the underground of the, the gambling, so to speak. And people think, well, oh, my God, it's going to kill the book. The bookies are going to be so pissed off. The difference between having a bookie and, and legalized sports gambling is that the bookie will extend you credit and let you pay, you know, without fronting the money. Whereas when, the, when, when you go to gamble on these sports like in Vegas, 
Yeah, you got Basically, in you're, handing, you're handing you're, cash and you're getting your ticket. You from right, exactly. You have to front all the money and then they pay you out. So I don't think that the underground is going to suffer too much, but I think it's a big deal. The decision that's and then other people think, well, is that going to turn people off from going to Vegas? But no. But I mean, can you imagine the NCAA tournament in Atlantic City next year? I, it's going to drive so much business when it comes to restaurants, bars. Just the economy in general. Do you I think? Mean, what, what, gonna, do you, what do you think of Pennsylvania as a, as a possible legalized state? Or because Delaware and Jersey will be in bed with legalized sports gambling, Pennsylvania just backs off. No, I, I think Pennsylvania will be all. Listen, here's the deal. It's like it's like eventually marijuana is going to be legalized all across the country. I don't care what anyone says, but in the next two years, it's probably going to be legal in every state. And if it's regulated by the government, if everybody gets a piece of a big pie, I think it's going to be fine. I don't. I think with you know with some of the owners, and as far as like some of the leagues are concerned, with the people in the NFL, as far as to like throwing games, like that's their biggest fear is that that it could lead to some type of corruption. But I think it's going to be a win for everybody, and it's going to make things exciting. I mean, people really enjoy sports gambling all across the country. I mean, look at something like fantasy football. Fantasy football, how many millions of dollars? I mean, essentially, that is gambling. I don't care what anyone says. It's gambling. It's like playing the lottery. So I think it's going to be huge. I think a lot of states are going to pass it. And I think not only a lot of small businesses, but I think a lot of people are going to profit from this. And I think it's going to be a good deal. And it's exciting. So you're telling me that John Mita's shady, unnamed character the back alley yeah. of Roche O'Brien's is going to survive this. No question about it. Absolutely. All right. Because nobody I just want to make sure. I just want to make, I just, I just want to make sure your peeps yeah. are going to be all right. You know what I mean? They're going to be just fine. Trust me. Trust me. The last the, the last couple of years, the local street pharmacists and the yeah. and the back alley bookies they've taken a bit of a hit with all this uh, federal government yeah. regulation on. Yeah. On marijuana. The other thing is this. One of the, one of the other thing is this too. It's like okay, I could go on a website and bet through a bookie, right? Or I could drive a hundred miles to Atlantic City and give them my bet. So the act of you know convenience is going to play a huge role in this. Yeah. Because like if I can get it around the corner, why the hell would I drive ninety miles to go do it? Two to three and years. That, two to three years from now, do you see the following scenario? John Mita sure. wakes up. He stretches, he brushes his teeth, he hits the road, he stops at Wawa, grabs his coffee, and his parlay slip for the night. I mean, do you see Do you see Wawa having just touch screen, hey, I'm going to put a $10 parlay on the Flyers, the uh, the Buccaneers, and the uh, whoever on this Sunday afternoon? Well, I, I, don't, I don't think it'll get that crazy because I think the way the government, you know, you definitely want competition in these scenarios. Take Atlantic City, for example. There's going to be more than one sports book, but there's not going to be 20 sports books. Right. You know what I mean? There's it, only going to be 10. It, and for, here, just say, hold on, just to give you another thing, yeah. it's, uh, something that you're asking about is apparently the license in order to do this in the state of Pennsylvania, it costs $10 million. So if you were to have a restaurant or a bar, you got to fork up $10 million and then go through a lot more red tape to see if you can even get that type of gaming, that specific gaming life. Interesting. You know, up in so. Canada, at least they used to. I don't know if they if they still do. Jefferson agrees with me in the background there. 
Jefferson. He's always a part of the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, in Canada, they used to have, I forget what it's called, where, where it's pretty much like that. You go into your 7-Eleven in old Canada, you go to the gas station, and you can literally just pick your eight teams you want to play that night in the National Hockey League and walk out of there with a slip. Wow, um, that's unheard of. Never even heard of that. That's but, crazy. But that's old Canada for you. And again, that's the way it used to be. I don't know if it's still the case. All right, yeah. uh, let's keep it moving, my friend. The Philadelphia 76ers season came to an end after we were last on our podcast. Boy, they had a chance to win game two in that series, up 22 points. They blew game three in that series, and they were up four points with 90 seconds left in game five. Woulda, shoulda, coulda. Sixers season is over. They will get the 10th overall draft pick because of the 97,000th trade that Sam Hinkie made at some point as GM. Uh, They get the Lakers pick. So 10th overall goes to the Sixers. Start with the NBA draft. Who you're looking at at number 10. Phoenix Suns have the number one pick, but Sixers at 10 currently. And then the offseason plan is what? So there's, there's, this is, right now, this offseason is going to be the biggest offseason that Brian Colangelo has ever faced being the new general manager of the 76 It might be the biggest in franchise history. Forget Colangelo. Well, you know, you, you said it right. Absolutely. Here's what I look at. Okay, so there's a couple free agents. The most notable free agents on the on the uh, market are going to be LeBron, are going to be Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard is not a free agent, but apparently the uh, the San Antonio Spurs would be willing to trade him, but it's going to take a massive blockbuster haul to get him. If the trade is in the works for Kawhi Leonard, then you're going to see that number 10 pick get packaged with a bunch of other players, maybe like Martel Fultz, Dario Sarge, Robert Covington match up some of the money and maybe a future pick. If they get LeBron James, then I, I don't see them, you know, moving that 10 pick. I mean, in a perfect world for me, I know I'm a Villanova lifer, but Mikhail Bridges at number 10, if he is sitting on the board, that is the guy to take. He's 6'9". He can shoot the ball extremely well. He plays great defense, has unbelievable length. He's athletic. He has the experience of playing in tough games. He would be the guy, the first guy in target. Now, there's rumors that he's moving up the board. So he can be selected anywhere between number seven to ten. Apparently, the Knicks might like him at nine. I don't know if the Sixers, if they really want Mikhail Bridges, do they try to leverage their other first-round pick and maybe a future pick in order to move up to make sure that they can acquire the services? But I love Bridges. If Bridges has gone off the board, the couple things – the other people I look at is like Kevin Knox. He's another wing player from Kentucky, 6'7", great build, very athletic, freshman, somewhat raw, but another guy that can match up with like a Jason Tate. If you look at that series, you know, the threes, the wings that the Celtics, the young wing players that the Celtics have, that is going to be a problem for this basketball team moving forward. So you got to find a way. The other guy I look at is another scoring guard. His name is Colin Sexton out of University of Alabama. From end to end, he kind of reminds me of Alan Iverson as far as speed goes from one end of the floor to the other. He kind of has explosiveness like Russell Westbrook. His shots, he's got a, a decent shot. It's not great. It's decent. Um, but he's the type of guy that can get his own shot off the dribble. Do you pull the trigger there? The question is, you know, what do we expect? What, what are we going to get from Martel Fultz? The one guy that I would stay away from is the kind of wing center small forward from Michigan State. His name is Miles Bridges. To me, he came up very small in the tournament. He came up small a lot of big games and he disappeared, and I don't think he can shoot the ball well enough. So that would be a guy I'd stay away with. So in my mind, it would probably be Mikhail Bridges, one, Kevin Knox, two, 
and maybe Colin Sexton three to get some more firepower at the guard. At number 26, I'm still rocking the Villanova train. I'm either going to Jalen Brunson, okay, to be that backup point guard. We could put TJ McConnell in the Raptors. Not that he hasn't had a hell of a, a, hell of a year, but Brunson can do everything at the point guard position. People worry about people worry about his speed. Is he going to be able to get five people? He plays like an old man. Like, you look at a guy like James Harden. Do you think James Harden, he's got a good first step, but do you think he's that blow, breakaway speed guy? No. It's just very crafty. He has unbelievable footwork, and that's how he creates separation to get his own shot. And we saw time and time and again that that's the type of thing that Jalen Brunson could do. I'd also look at another Villanova player, Dante DiVincenzo at 26. There's a guy that can do everything. He can play defense. He had his best game in his career in the championship game where you could see the type of range. I mean, he was pulling up from 30 feet for three-pointers. So if I'm the Sixers, man, I'm totally looking in my own backyard to add some firepower to this roster. And then if you sign a guy like LeBron James, who knows? The sky's the limit. But there's a couple other guys that I like, but I'll tell you what. I mean, you want to take guys that have – I love guys that are seasoned and all these kids that played like three years of organized ball, college ball. And I think they're ready to take that next step. So, and let, and let's, not disc- I, let's not discount the program at Villanova. We talked about it when they won the championship. You know, there's culture there. There's habits there. There's work ethic there. There's, you know, camaraderie. All of that is crucial. I mean, you said if anybody in their right mind, is worried about Jalen Brunson translating the next level, then they didn't watch him play. I don't care about measurables. I don't care about, well, the first step or whatever. It has nothing to do with it at the end of the day. I know there's better athletes in the NBA, but when you can win, when you're a winner, when you work hard, when you have high basketball IQ, I'll take you on my team any day of the week. I mean, look at, you just point out TJ McConnell. What was he coming out of the draft? You know, when he when he came when he turned pro, nobody's talking about his unbelievable ability. Turned himself into cert- more than a serviceable pl- uh, serviceable player this year. Quite frankly, he outworked the Celtics every time he was on the court. Look at the plus minus. So for me, I'm not scared of well, Jalen Brunson doesn't have X, Y, and Z. The kid can play basketball. The kid's gonna work his tail off. He's a good teammate. If you get him at late in the first round, in the NBA draft with it only being two rounds and there's so many crapshoots later after maybe the top 12 picks, like Jalen Brunson to me, that's a steal late in the first round. Because you know I he's going to be on your team forever. Seriously. Who's going yeah. to out, outwork him? Nobody. Listen, listen, his dad played 10 years in the league. And I'll tell you what, I think he is above and beyond better than his father. And his dad had a, a decent, very good NBA career. Yeah. All right, let's shift gears. We'll have plenty of time to talk about the Sixers for free agency in the draft. Last thing we wanted to get into here on the Brotherly Love Podcast, follow us on Twitter, at Podcast. We're about to hit 7,000 clicks on SoundCloud, so thank you, everybody, for tuning in over the last couple of years. We didn't know if we'd get to 500. We didn't know if we'd get to 1,000. We're nearing 7,000, so continue to spread the love for us. We appreciate it. Hit us up on Twitter, at Podcast. Um, The Philadelphia Eagles... The, the big boys up front did some talking this week. Jason Kelsey, no surprise, at the forefront. Lane, uh, Lane Johnson, he wasn't uh, exactly quiet either. Johnson taking direct shots at the Patriots' way again. He's all hot and bothered about New England, how they do things and their arrogance. And Jason Kelsey on Good Morning Football uh, earlier this week on the NFL Network went out of his way to say, you know, 
We were a hungry dog starving for 52 years or whatever. One one bowl of food ain't enough. I love it. Um, you know, then he goes on to say he doesn't think the Eagles are getting the respect they deserve as Super Bowl champions. I would, as much as I love it, and as much as I love the fact that other fan bases right now can't touch the Eagles, does any part of you, John Mita, want them to just kind of shut up and play football when uh, when training camp rolls around? Well, I mean, it's just crazy that I mean, I can. Here's the deal: I can totally understand the viewpoint of them feeling disrespected. You look at Las Vegas, okay? They still have the Patriots. Patriots up there because they won five titles, but. You look at the Eagles roster, they pretty much have everyone returning and they're going to add some new pieces. So they could be better on paper this year than they were last, which is even scarier. But uh, no, I think uh, sometimes it bothers me when people talk too much, but I think if this gives them the edge, I mean, we can't underestimate them playing the role of underdog and what that did for this football team. So whatever it takes to give this team another edge, to get them pissed off, to play harder, to show everyone, to shut people up, then I'm totally on board with it. You have to look at what a fine kind of line, margin for error there is in the National Football League. I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer here at all, but the Eagles could have easily lost that Super Bowl. They could have easily lost to the Falcons. You know, if Nick Foles doesn't come in and play the best, you know, three weeks of his life, they don't even, you know, they're toast. And so, and I know they got it done, and I couldn't be happier, and you know that. But part of me is just like, when was before this year, the Eagles hadn't won a playoff game since, like, almost I can remember. Like, we're talking the Andy Reid era. So, I can understand why they might not be getting a lot of respect from everybody else, because there's a lot of haters out there. Nobody's Nobody likes Philadelphia, right? The whole... Nobody likes us. We don't care. That's what we're built on. And I and I do like the fact that these guys continue to be at the forefront, continue to chirp, because that you know if that's what's true to them, then that's fine. Because as a city, we'll back it up. But part of me is kind of like, dude, like let's just let it go and take the field. Like show them on the field. Like I have every bit of confidence that Carson Wentz is going to come back, be hungry as ever, and this team will have some bumps in the road. It's not going to be fifteen and one, fourteen and two, most likely. You got to mesh in the new pieces. I'm going to be realistic about that or try to. But there's no doubt in my mind this football team has a chance to be special again. But just let the football do the talking. Like September the 6th can't get here soon enough. I get it. But in the meantime, every time a microphone's getting put in the face of especially two of the offensive linemen, they continue to just bark away. They just better back it up. I mean, Kelsey, two years ago, the city was ready to run him out of town. Lane Johnson, as Kelsey pointed out, the parade speech. Couldn't lay off the juice. So those guys are great. They're pro bowlers. They're the core of the offense, protecting Carson Wentz, Nick Foles. But I, I just want to see him do it. I just want to see it again and again and again because I love when the Philadelphia Eagles are winning football games. So the talking, I'm okay with. But part of me is just kind of like, all right, fellas, like let's just move on, get ready for next season. If you're disrespected, you're disrespected. Just go out and prove it again. That's all. No, well said. I mean, I'm with you. I mean, I'll tell you, Kelsey rubbed me the wrong money when he started talking like when like a lot of people were calling for Andy Reid's head when he was just – the message was stale. It was time for Andy to go. And he was like – they ripped down a sign. Somebody had a sign across from the Novacare sign. Man wrote a sign like, get fire Andy Reid. And then he came out. He was only a rookie and started chirping at the fans like, listen – you, you guys don't know who this coach is and blah, blah, blah. And, and that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So I do understand your point. 
sometimes players just need to. I mean, here's the deal. They already won the Super Bowl. It's over. So moving on, let's go get another trophy. So I'm with you on that standpoint. But if it gives them an edge, I like it. Good stuff as always, All my right. man. All right, last question for you, Joseph. Yeah. Would you go to the White House if you won a championship? No, not a chance. What? Not a chance. Oh, All right. Hang on. Okay, let me kill the music. I'll kill the music. I'm killing the music. We can fire up more music. Tell me why. Tell me why. Why would you go? Why? Here's why I go. There's been many presidents that I didn't care for, okay, that I didn't agree with their ideologies. But just to have the opportunity, I went to the White House when I was in high school, and it was one of the most unbelievable experiences just to get to see the White House, the the behind-the-scenes, the different types of rooms, you know, who went to the bathroom in this corner, the whole nine. It's just an unbelievable experience. Let me do do you a favor. You have Netflix? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, put on House of Cards. Yeah, well, okay. All right, I've watched House of Cards. (laughs) It's not the same it's being there, Joe. Uh, come on, fault. man. You got your trophy. On, you got man. your you got your ring. You got your photos. You got your celebration. Only one team a, only one team a year gets to do that. You got Joe. your celebration videos. I mean, who cares about the White House and that buffoon that's in there? Jesus. All right, Johnny. Like love you, brother. Love you too. Be good. Thanks, Thanks for everybody. Right there, uh, Thanks for tuning in, Brotherly Love Podcast. Sign off. Go Phils. Till next time. We'll see. Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.